Ezekiel chapter 42, verse number 20, King James Version says, He measured it by the four sides. It had a wall around about, 500 reeds long and 500 broad, to make a separation between the sanctuary and the profane place. To make a separation between the sanctuary and the profane place. Before I give you my subject title, and before they place it on the screen, I come to you with a heavy heart today because what I want to speak to you about has got to happen now. It's a must in the hour where we're living. And when I give it to you, you're going to think about the church as a whole. And oh yes, it needs to happen in the church as a whole. But when you hear the subject title today, I want you to look at it on a personal level. And I wanted to let it speak to you where you are individually. And then we're going to deal with that. And we're going to deal with where the church is at. And we're going to deal with where we are right now. The thought today is this. Revive or die. Revive or die. Father, let your word come alive today. Don't just let it roll off of the lips of man, but Lord, let it flow through the Spirit of God into the hearts of every believer in this room. And the heart of every believer who is listening or watching online today. God, that it will do an amazing work inside of each person. For your word says that when it goes forth, it will not come back void, but it will accomplish that which it goes to do. And Father, I pray that today the word will accomplish that that you have desired for it to accomplish, Lord. And I pray that today it will cause us to draw closer to you than what we've been yesterday. And Lord, it will cause us to be hungrier for you than we've ever been. And it will cause us to thirst for your presence and your spirit and your power in a great way. Father, may your will and purpose be done in this room today. And we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. Amen. Look over at your neighbor and say, Revive or die. Revival is not a mystery. Revival is God's answer to hungry hearts and prevailing that prevail in prayer. Revival for the church now is not an option. Revival for the church now is a must. And I'm not talking about Sunday morning through Wednesday night series of services as we look at revival on many occasions and I'm not against that and I'm not speaking against that because I believe in that. I used to do that. I used to be an evangelist and I still am a lot of times at heart. So that is a must as well in this hour that we're living in. But it's more than just having a series of services or having a meeting once in a while. 
It's about a revival that comes in that literally transforms the lives of every believer and then begins to transform the church and the church becomes alive and well and the church gets on fire for the glory of God and goes out into a lost, sleepy, dying world and brings joy and brings peace and power and the love and the mercy of God into a world that's in desperate need. Revival is not an option. It is a must where we are now. Now you remember what I said earlier. We look at it as a body and we look at it corporately, yes, but I want us to look at it on an individual level today as well because it's very important. Again, he said he measured it by the four sides. It had walls round about, 500 reeds long and 500 broad to make a separation between the sanctuary and the profane place. The sanctuary represents that which is holy, that which is sanctified, that's set apart, that's dedicated to God and His service. The profane is that which is irreverent, excuse me, ungodly, vile, and blasphemous and actually stands in direct opposition and contradiction to everything that is pure and holy. I'm going to say something right here that is very weighty, and it's very heavy. I believe that there is a clarion call, and it is not what a lot of people want to hear. I believe that there is an ultimatum that God is making to the church in the hour where we're living. And that ultimatum is this, revive or die. Revive or die. The Holy Spirit is saying, making it very clear that there's no more room for lukewarm. There's no more room for half in or half out or half up or half down. There is no more room for half-baked Christianity, if you will. There's no more room to be half in and half out. It's time to make a decision. You're either all in with God or you're all out with God. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 through 17 said, And of the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things said the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou art cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You know what he's saying to them there? He's saying, I'm, I have a problem with you because you're not cold, you're not hot, you're lukewarm. You're in that middle place. You can't make up your mind. You can't make a decision. You can't make a choice. You're trying to ride the fence with me. God is drawing a line through the church. Listen to me. God is drawing a line through the church. And it is a dividing line that's going to separate the sold-outs and the holdouts. Amen? 
There are a lot of sold-outs in this last hour, but let's just get real. There's a lot of holdouts too. You know what a holdout is? A holdout is one that loves God, says they want God, but will not dedicate themselves to God. Will not completely give themselves over. Will not become committed to the Lord. They want the blessing. They want the, God to minister, or they want God to bless them. They want God to touch them, but they don't want to give themselves completely to the Lord. That's a holdout. Let's go back to the verse in Ezekiel 42 and 4, 4, or 20 again. I know I've already read it twice, but let's read it again. He measured it by the four sides. It had walls round about 500 reeds long, 500 broad, to make a separation between the sanctuary and the profane. Now, that reason why I read it a third time, that last part's what you got to get. A separation between the righteous and the unrighteous. There's a separation coming to the church, and it's going to be a clear demarcation what are you saying pastor a clear demarcation between the professors and possessors between the liars and the truth tellers between the crucified and the pacified between the undecided and the completely sold out between the sanctified and the pacified between the consecrated and the constipated have I got your attention now? This is very serious with God. I want all eyes staring a hole through me this morning. This is very serious with God. Notice these verses in Amos 7, 7 and 8. It said, But thus he showed me, behold, the Lord stood on a wall made with a plumb line with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, Behold, I'm setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not pass by them anymore. That last phrase ought to get a hold of your heart. I'm setting a plumb line in the midst of my people, and I will not pass by their way anymore. What kind of church is it that the Lord is deciding he won't pass by anymore? Listen close. It's a church where the glory of the Lord has departed. Now I'm thankful here at Valley View Church we have, a, we have the most outstanding worship. We delight in the presence of God, the glory of God. He's in this house. He moves among us. He's made himself real, and we've allowed him to make himself real. And we've opened up our hearts unto him. But let's take it back to that personal level of revive. Everybody hasn't got in yet. I hope you still love me when it's over. I want you to know I love you today. But everybody hasn't got in yet. It's a church where the glory of God has departed. Can I say this to you? God will only strive with us so long as an individual. And if we keep putting God off at some point in time, God will move on. Listen, it is happening all over this country right now. Mega churches and mini churches. Big and small churches. 
and every size in between. Listen, size does not matter. The angel of the Lord is marking churches that no longer hold the sacred truth of God's Word in their hearts. Churches where the gospel is no longer proclaimed over the pulpits and they no longer host the presence of God, they are grieving to the heart of God. Some possibly to the place of never feeling or knowing the presence of God again. Why? Because they have bowed their knees to another God. And Jehovah will not put up with that. He will not accept that. It's revive or die. Bottom line. I believe God is saying, I'm through with hypocrisy. I'm through with mediocrity. Playtime is over. Oh, hear this today. I hear the Lord saying in my spirit, Playtime is over. I believe he's saying to us, the church that doesn't burn with the fire of God in this hour and doesn't represent him faithfully and honestly is going to be buried by the world. The church that doesn't burn for God will be buried by the world. Did you hear that? The church in this hour that does not love the truth and is not passionately pursuing God and hating sin is going to be buried by the world. The church that does not burn with the fire of God in this hour is going to be a powerless church. And I want you to hear this. A powerless church and they will have absolutely no impact or influence on this society. And they will be buried by the very ones that they were supposed to minister to and resurrect. God help us to have an impact on the society around us. Help us, oh God, that we can help change this city. We can change this county. We can change this state, this nation, and this world. Are you with me? The powerless church, listen. The powerless church in this hour is going to be buried by Wokeism. Have you heard that one lately? The powerless church is going to be buried by liberalism. It's going to be buried by humanism. It's going to be buried by transgenderism. The powerless church is going to be buried by sexism. It's going to be buried by Satanism. And I said that to tell you we're living in a critical hour when it's either all in or all out. We're living in a critical moment when it's either all in with God or all out with God. There is no in between. God's not looking for fence riders. God's not looking for post sitters. Oh, God help me. We've got to get full of God. Look over at your neighbor and say, are you full yet? Look at him again and say, if you ain't, get on it. we got to get full of God. Adults, we got to get full of God. Young people and children, we got to get full of God. Why? The devil wants to swallow you up. The devil wants you. 
Let me say this while I'm here. Many schools have become a recruiting ground for transgenderism, woke ideology, and right Satanism. All out Satanism. Many schools have become a breeding ground for it. Don't think for a minute that this woke ideology and these drag queens in the school and this gender-bending garbage and special, or excuse me, sexual exploitation and exploitation is an end in itself. Because I'm telling you, it is not. It's an invitation for demons to possess our children and our grandchildren. That's what it's all about. That's what the enemy's trying to do. The demons of hell have targeted the children and the grandchildren of this generation. They've targeted the children of now, the young people of now. Can I tell you why? They decided that if they couldn't kill them through abortion, then their plan was to possess them, to confuse them, to pervert them, and to destroy them. Not on my watch. Not on our watch. Not on the watch of this church. Get up on your feet. Put your hand together. Make the Spirit of God welcome in here. Not on our watch. Not on my watch. Hallelujah! You may be in this room today and you may make a decision to go to hell. I pray that you don't. I pray for your soul. But you may make a decision to go to hell, but you won't go over the fact that I didn't preach the Word of God to you and declare the Word of God to you. And my God, I feel Him. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. Hear me today. The only thing that can turn back the hordes of hell is a church that's on fire for God that will fight in the arena of prayer and intercession. That's the only thing that's going to turn back the hordes of hell. Now you understand why I said 5.30 to 6.15 on Wednesday night. Listen, don't find an excuse not to get here. Find an excuse to get here. Pray! And if you can't get in the house, get on your knees somewhere at 5.30 on Wednesday night together in prayer. But don't just do it on Wednesday. Do it on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Churches and preachers that will no longer preach the cross and will not preach against sin, and will not preach that only Jesus' blood can save you. And you must not only confess your sin, but you must also forsake your sin. Those that will not preach those things, they are afraid of the culture of our society. I said they're fearful of the culture of our society. They're afraid they're going to upset somebody. They're afraid they're going to rock somebody's world. Well, God sent me by to tell you, it's time to rock the world. I said, it's time to rock the world. I said, it's time to rock the world. 
Quit worrying about what somebody thinks. Quit worrying about what somebody feels. What about the soul that's dying and on its way to hell? They are bowing and worshiping at the altar of cultural relativism. Relativism, I think, is how that's said. And if they're not careful, they're going to be buried at the very, by the very things that they bow down to. You hear me right here? God did not call us to be culturally relative. He called us to be word related. Woo! Now, I understand the word culture. We've created a culture in this house. We've created a culture in this church, and it's necessary. It's needful. And listen, let me just tell you, you need to get in on the culture of this house. You with me? I said, you need to get in on the culture of this house. But what I am declaring and decreeing to you, we don't have time for the culture of society and how the culture of society is trying to divide and lead the church. It's time for the church to rise up and lead the culture of society back to the presence of God and the power of God. Amen? Woo! The church that's burning with the fire of God, the church that's on fire for God, does not fear a radical, woke, satanic-inspired, and possessed culture. But a woke, satanic culture actually fears the church that's on fire for God. God said, I'll put fear and dread of you upon the nations. That's not my word, that's his word. Can I tell you, listen to this for a minute. Can I tell you the reason Pharaoh brought the Israelites under bondage and slavery was because he was afraid of them waking up and walking in their destiny. You don't know why he brought them into bondage? It wasn't just because he wanted them. It wasn't just because he desired them. He was scared of them. He was scared of them waking up. He was scared of them walking in the destiny God had for their life. In Exodus 1, 9 through 11 said, and he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and it happen in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us, and so go up out of the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. Pharaoh was afraid of what they would become. He was afraid they would really actually realize who they were. He was afraid they'd wake up. You want some wokeism? There's your wake up right there. Two totally different things. I'm sorry. The devil is saying to his demons about the church. Are you listening? We got to keep them blinded. The devil's saying to the demons about the church, we cannot let them discover that they have more power than we do. The devil is saying to his demons about the church, we got to keep them beat up, beat down, depressed, discouraged. He's saying we got to force them to worship at our secular altars and agree with our demon-inspired ideology. 
please hear my heart for a moment? I understand those pressures are real. And the threats are real. And there are many fire, may, there'll be fiery furnaces in our future if we stand up for God. I get it. And if you declare you will not bow or bend to the gods of this world, there'll be fiery furnaces. But I'm telling you that if you do not stand for God and you do bow down and worship to these other gods, you're going to separate yourself from the presence of the Lord and you're going to be buried by the culture of society. Did you hear me? You're going to separate yourself from God and you're going to be buried by the culture of society. Let me just give you this. We're living in a time of separation and distinction. Separation and distinction. God is marking those that belong to Him, and Satan is marking those that belong to hell. Whose check have you got on you? Whose mark have you got on you? The devil is marking those that belong to him. And I want to just say this to you. There is no more gray area. Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. Don't get no plainer than that. Then he said, if you're not gathering with me, then you're scattering abroad. It's revive or die. You say, Pastor, do you really believe it's that serious? Someone in this room asked me, do you really believe it's that serious? Let me just tell you, I believe it's more critical than we really realize. I believe it's more critical than what we really understand and what we really realize. So many people are caught up in the news and all the things happening in the news and all the whirlwind of society. But what about the spiritual world? What about the things of the Spirit of God? What about your relationship with God? What about where you are with God? It's more critical than you ever realized. We're either going to burn with a fresh fire of revival Oh, we're going to be buried by the culture of society. There it is again. You say, Pastor, there might be persecution if I get on fire. Let me just go ahead and settle it for you. There will be. Let me go ahead and settle that for you. There's no, there's no second guessing about it. The Bible assures us all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So therefore, this day before us is a choice, a very simple but a very hard choice. It's revive or die. It's revival or we die. And I'm I just here to tell you, you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a choice. Whose side are you going to stand on? I want to share a few quotes with you from a great revivalist named Leonard Ravenhill. Maybe some of you read after him. This is some of the quotes of this great revivalist is what he said. If Jesus preached the same message many ministers preach today, he would have never been crucified. Listen. Let the fires go out of the boiler room of the church and the place will still look smart and clean, but it will be cold. He said the prayer room is the boiler room for its spiritual life. Pray! The world outside is not waiting for a new definition of Christianity. They're waiting on a new demonstration of Christianity. He goes on to say the church right now has more fashion than passion. It's more pathetic than it is prophetic and more superficial than it is supernatural. We must have revival. 
We as individuals, we must be revived. God's not looking for a casual, long-distance relationship. God's looking for hearts that are on fire, who are passionately seeking his face and pursuing his presence. People that are hard after him. Did not our hearts burn within us was the way the two disciples described it on the road to Emmaus. They said, did not our hearts burn within us? In the natural, when you eat, you get full, and then your desire for food is suppressed for a little while. But can I tell you, in the spiritual world, it works totally different. What are you saying? In the spiritual, the more you eat, the hungrier you get. The more you drink, the thirstier you get. The more you get of His presence, the more of His presence you want. The more your fire begins to burn in you, the more you want the fire of God to burn inside you. Amen? God is searching for those whose hearts are on fire for Him. He's looking for people who are burning for him. He promised in the, or listen to this, he promised in the last days he would pour out his spirit on all flesh, but that doesn't mean that all flesh is going to receive his spirit. But let me tell you what it does mean. That means that no category of flesh will be neglected in the outpouring. He's not going to leave nobody out. When he pours his spirit out, he's pouring it out on all mankind, every person, everywhere. But here's the difference. There's a deciding factor, and that deciding factor is this. Only the hungry and the thirsty will be filled. Only the hungry and the thirsty will receive. Only the hungry and the thirsty will get it. Wherever God finds hunger in the church, there will be revival. And let me just tell you, Valley View Church, we need to pray today that God would birth in us a hunger that cannot be satisfied with anything less than His manifest presence. Nothing else but the presence of God will satisfy. Nothing else but the presence of God will do it. King David asked the question, Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? And God answered back, you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I want to bring it to a close with this, and I want you to stare a hole through me for a minute. Revival for the church is not an option. Revival for America is not an option. Revival for the individual is not an option. It's a must. It's got to happen. It's revive or die. Are you listening? Make sure they can hear me, Charles. I got to get this. When schools are encouraging drag queens in their school, it's time for revival. When boys are invading girls' locker rooms and competing in girls' sports, it's time for revival. When children are encouraged to determine their own gender based upon their emotional state at any time, it's time for revival. When pedophiles, God help me, when pedophiles are no longer called pedophiles, but just adults with attraction for minors, it's time for revival. Let me just stop and tell you, they're sick perverts that need Jesus. I said they're sick perverts that need salvation. 
I said there's sick perverts that need to find God. And if you're in this room and you're a pedophile, you're a sick pervert that needs Jesus. I'm just going to tell you like it is. But I love you. I said, but I love you. I said, but I love you. I love you. And I want you to find Jesus. I want you to be saved. I want you to come into the saving grace of God. Just keep standing. Ooh, going to get deeper. When streets are filled with angry protesters demanding the legal rights to murder their babies, it's time for revival. You ready for this one? When schools require to put litter boxes in their restrooms and tampons in the boys' restroom, it's time for revival. Oh, God help me. We ain't done yet. When transgenders are holding office in the highest places of our nation, it's time for revival. There's some things that makes God sick to his stomach. It's time for revival. When suicide's at an all-time high in our country, it's time for revival. When sexual deviation and outright devil worship is glorified on national television at what's called the Grammys, it's time for revival. Are you hearing this preacher this morning? Are you listening to me? When we're being told men can menstruate and become pregnant, it's time for revival. Oh, God help me today. When the violence in many of our cities is doubled and tripled, theft, rape, and murder is off the scale, it's time for revival. When fentanyl poisoning is killing a hundred and more a day, it's time for revival. When abortion are over 600,000 a year, it's time for revival. There's no more options. Are you listening to me? I said there's no more options. This is it. This is where we are. This is where we're living. This is reality. It's not a fairy tale. It's reality. Almost sickening, isn't it? Ain't almost, it is. To even think we could be there, to even think we could live there, to even think that could be possible in the United States of America is sickening. But there's something called the grace of God. There's something called the mercy of God. There's something called salvation. There's something called deliverance. And, oh, God, I feel him. There's something called the mercy of God that will reach out to every hurting, broken life and every broken soul. And everything I just brought out, everything I mentioned, God can save you. God can deliver you. God can break it off of you. God can release you. And he can turn your life around.
We are at that place. Let's get real. It's revive or die. I believe we're living in one of the most critical times in the history of this nation, one of the most critical times of the church. I believe that. I'm going to say that again. I believe we're living in one of the most critical times, Jason, in the history of this nation, in the history of the world, and in the history of the church. It's either revive or die. I'm just going to open this altar up to you today, and I'm just going to say, it's either revive or die. I said it's either revive or die. It's open to you.